Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Jim. I'm the lead pastor here of Atmosphere Church and uh, Happy New Year to you. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys uh, went out on New Year's Eve. I don't know what you guys or where you go on New Year's Eve in Thousand Oaks. Do you all stay home or do you go to L.A.? I, I don't both a little bit anyway, but uh, it's a new year and uh, you are starting the year off right by being in church for the first Sunday of the year. So tell your neighbor, good job. All right, just say good job. Now, for those of you that are not new, you're starting to get to know my humor a little bit as I played that video for you, and uh, it's an SNL skit, and um, you know the guy was doing a good job acting like a baby, and it's funny how we celebrate a baby making those gestures and, and acting like a baby, but when you see a full-grown man acting like that, that is strange. And you're looking at it going, that just doesn't go together. And this is why we're, we're doing this series called Grown Ups, because we want to look at our maturity levels. And one of the things about the new year is that it's a good time to reflect on what kind of a person we've been. And last week we talked about hitting the reset button and making kind of a, a decision to restart our lives and kind of refresh our 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 minds and or our hearts and, and really reconnect our souls and renew our minds. Remember that message? If you didn't hear it, you can go online and listen to it uh, on our podcast. But I want to start a brand new series today as we step into the new year going over the book of James. Now, if you're new to church, you may not know this little book of the Bible. There's 
five chapters. There's 108 total verses. It's not a, a long book of the Bible. If you sit down and read it from start to finish, it'll take you probably about 16 minutes. It's not a, a, a long read at all, but I'm telling you, in my mind, it is the most practical how-to book in the New Testament on what it looks like to follow Jesus. So what we're going to take maybe a, a few weeks here looking at this little book and how powerful it is and how it has everything to do with making sure that we're growing up. We're becoming spiritually mature because when you first step into a relationship with God and everything is new, it's expected, just like a, a newborn baby, you know, that you meet for the first time and they make those, you know, eyes at you and they make the, you know, the first time they smile. We celebrate everything for a, a newborn, but then, you know, at some point the baby grows up and, and it moves from diapers into, you know, being potty trained and, the, you know, then, you know, the, the kid goes to school and there's a, a graduation of events that happens in a baby's life to where they grow up. And in the same capacity, when we start following Christ, there should be this trajectory that we don't stay as this newborn spiritually, that, that God is doing a work inside of us and he's maturing us so that we become more and more like Christ. And so this whole series is about how we are to become spiritually mature men and women of God. And I have a tape measure. I'm not uh, really good at uh, building things, and so uh, I had to go buy this just for this illustration. <laughs> just tell you a little bit more about who I am. But a tape measure is good. I don't know how many, when, when your kids were growing up, that you had the little doorpost at your house. How many had the doorpost that you kept the measurements of your kids and, you know, then you had to move out of your house and you're like, that, you know, it's a sad day. But, you know, a tape measure is good because it gives you the idea of kind of where you're at. And so as your child grows and you can kind of measure where they're at, you see progress, and so tape measure is that ability to take a measurement to find out how tall you are and kind of find out where you're at with your growth. Now, this is a true story. When I was an incoming freshman into high school, I had my freshman physical because I wanted to play sports. Now, I wasn't six foot tall as a freshman in high school. I was five, six. I wasn't very tall. And I went to the doctor, and they did the measurements and, and said, we project that you're going to be 5'8 at, you know, your, your full height, that, you know, once you're done growing. Now, being 5'8 is not a, a bad deal. I know a lot of guys that are 5'8, but it was a bad deal for me because I have an older brother that's 6'5. So I was like, man, I'm the runt of the litter. Like, what happened to me, and I was so bummed out. My dad was with me in the appointment. He's just like, son, well, you know, that's not, you know, true science. He doesn't know for sure. You're only going to be five foot eight. You know, that's just a guess. And I'm like, yeah, but, but what if I am five foot eight? And I went home the whole day. I was grieving. I like something inside of me died. And I was like, I am perpetually going to be beaten up by my older brother all of my life. Because see, in my heart, I was thinking one day I would be taller than him and I would be able to get even. Right? 
and give him a wedgie for once. So I went home and I started thinking, how can I change my growth? And I went to the school that was by us and I figured out how to hang upside down on the monkey bars. And, and I was convinced if I hung there long enough, my legs would grow. You know, this is the logic you have when you're 13 or 14 years old, you know, and, and my back, my spine would grow. Like I would give myself every opportunity just to grow an extra inch or two. Well, fortunately, the doctor was wrong. I wasn't six foot five, but I wasn't five foot eight. And I say that story to you because some of you, maybe you're kind of like that with your spiritual growth. Maybe you kind of feel like, man, I kind of want to be further than I'm at right now. I kind of feel like I should be uh, a little bit closer to God than I am right now. I feel like maybe I've kind of gotten complacent in my walk with God, and I'm just not growing like I should. And I know that I have more potential, but for some reason, as I measure my life, as I, as I look at kind of how much I've grown as a person of faith, I just feel like I'm lacking. And the book of James is really the best book of the Bible for you if that's where you're at this morning. If you see in your soul room to grow your relationship with God, then this is a perfect Bible study series for you as we just unpack this powerful little book. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about this book. Do you know who the author is of the book of James? It's not a trick question. Who is it? James, that's right. Hopefully you didn't say Paul or David or Peter. It is, the, it is James. Now, you may get a little tripped up with knowing what James wrote the book of James because if you read the Bible, there were several Jameses and by the way, my official name is James. Don't ever call me that, though. Um, I guess you can. I just will think that you uh, have done a contract with me because the only time people call me James is when uh, there's a legal matter, right? I go by Jim or Jimbo or Jimmy. Uh, you know, I guess there's a lot of names for James uh, that people, uh, I don't know why I'm going off on that right now. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so the James that we read about in the book of James, most theologians, most Bible scholars believe it was the half-brother of Jesus. There were Jameses that were disciples of Jesus, but the half-brother of Jesus, meaning that Mary, they had the same, he was the brother of the same mother, right, of Jesus. But obviously they had different dads. And the reason we know this, or the reason we suspect that it's James, is because in the book of Acts, we read that this same James became the pastor of the Jerusalem church. So the early church, the early followers of Jesus, were under James's leadership as their pastor. Now what's so monumental about this is that when Jesus was alive, we read scriptures from the Gospel of John and even the Gospel of Matthew as we're going through our, our Bible study there uh, in our daily devotions, that Jesus' family, when he was in his earthly ministry, thought that Jesus had lost it. Matter of fact, at one point, Jesus is doing ministry. The family shows up at the house he's doing ministry at, and they were trying to do an intervention. I mean, if you're 
if your older brother came to you and said, I am God, you would think, okay, man, I don't know about this guy. I think he needs to be institutionalized. I think somebody needs to do some intervention. And that's kind of where his family was at until the resurrection. Now, when the resurrection takes place, we read in the book of Acts that there was a shift that happened with his entire family, including James, who not only started believing in his older brother as being the Messiah, but he started giving his life towards that belief. Matter of fact, history shows us that the brother of Jesus, this James, actually ended up dying for his belief that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, what does that have to do with this Bible study? It has everything to do with it because James, the pastor of the Jerusalem church, he had issues going on within the church. Now see, I've been a follower of Christ for many years and a lot of times when I've been reading the book of Acts, I've thought to myself, this is what we need to get back to. We need to kind of get the church back into this pure state like the early church was and, and let's go back to the beginning and how they just really you know, gave their lives for Christ and thousands were coming to Christ and people were being healed and, the, the, and, and people were being taken care of. But if you read the book of James, he was confronting some major issues that the church was going through. And if you read the book of James, I mean, he gets strong in his opinion. Matter of fact, when he's writing this, it's interesting, out of the 108 verses that are written in the book of James, 54 of them are imperative verbs, meaning that they're commands. He's telling us, you need to do this. And I don't know how many of you know somebody that's really matter of fact and really is like, you know, they, they kind of like have that commander tone to their speech to you and, and enough of that you kind of remember maybe you had a parent like this I tend to be like this with my kids and and I just have this tone that comes <clears throat> comes over me when I start giving these commands and they get oh you know dad's got his commander voice so you better be careful and James kind of has this commander tone where, he, where he's giving these commands saying hey this is how you need to live. If you really want God to move in your life, this is what you need to do. And so as James is going through this list, you can kind of see some of the problems that were going on in the church. We read uh, from his commands that there was discouragement that the church was facing because of the trials that they were going through. Any of you been discouraged lately from some of the circumstances that have been hitting your life, then the book of James is gonna be able to speak into your life. There were women around talking about one another, gossiping, and James had to call them out on that, saying this isn't appropriate behavior for people that are supposed to be surrendered fully to God. You're not supposed to be like that. So if you have a problem maybe of talking about people when they're not around, the book of James is for you. People were showing prejudice in the church. James had to call them out. There were class wars. There were race wars. And James was having to confront people of God saying, hey, you shouldn't 
be biased towards somebody because of their race. You shouldn't be biased towards somebody because of how much money they have or don't have. There were major class wars going around, and it was even in the church itself. If maybe you've ever had a problem or a special bias towards a certain group of people over another group of people, then the book of James is going to be a good book for you to look at. There were other struggles going on. There were people that couldn't control their tongues very well. Have you ever been guilty of speaking a thought before you really thought about that thought? It came out of your mouth, and then you realize, like, whoop, I shouldn't have said that. Have you ever had that moment where the sentence got out of your mouth, and you tried to catch it before it landed on the person that you were talking to, going, man, why did I say that? They had a problem with their mouths being out of control. And they needed to bridle their tongue. So if you've ever had a problem with your mouth getting you in trouble, then the book of James is going to help you and speak into your life. They had struggled with temptations in their flesh. They had desires that, that were creeping up and, and a lot of them were blaming God. And James had to correct them and say, no, these these things aren't coming from God. They're coming from your flesh that you're, you're kind of indulging yourself and you're flaring up these desires. So this isn't God that's doing this. This is your flesh and you need to get that under control. So if you've ever felt the desires in your flesh take you into making decisions that you know were unhealthy for you and unhelpful maybe to your family, then the book of James is a great book for you. If you've ever been accused of being self-centered and prideful and arrogant and maybe not caring about other people more than you care about yourself. The early church struggled with this. And this is mind-blowing for me as a follower of God that I, I put so much emphasis on the early church having it all together when in reality, they had all the same problems that you and I are dealing with. And James was after one thing. He was after them getting away from this stuff so they could become fully mature. And why is it important for us to grow up spiritually? Well, it's important because one day we're gonna be standing before God and we have to give an account for the life that we live. That's obviously a big reason why we should be fully mature. But the other reason is God is desiring to do things not just in our lives, but he's desiring to do things through our lives that are going to bless other people and shine the love of God through us into other people's lives. So in other words, God wants to use us. He wants to let heaven move through us and touch other people. Now, I have not met one person that doesn't desire more heaven to come out of their lives and, and bless other people. And so your spiritual maturity is going to give you a platform to be able to help other people out that desperately need God in their lives. But if you're immature, then you're not going to be in a condition to be able to be used by God to help somebody else out that desperately needs God. So I like to say this, and, and I even put this on uh, Instagram, growing old is mandatory Growing up is optional. You can't stop growing older, but growing older and becoming mature are two different things. 
Have you met somebody that you thought to yourself, <laughs> they're old enough right now, they should know better, right? Have you ever caught yourself even saying that or maybe even thinking that about yourself? The book of James is there to really hone us in on what spiritual maturity should look like and how we can get there. So if you're taking notes, I'm gonna give you just kind of an overview today of the general themes of this book. And next week, we're really diving in to the idea of how to move through a trial successfully and with spiritual maturity. We're gonna be covering that next week. But today, I just wanna kind of cover the, the two basic big themes that we can take away. Because the book of James is kind of laid out almost like a proverb book where it's just like all kinds of random thoughts and it's just like you're sitting down with a guy and you're like dude my life's a mess what what can you tell me to help me be a better human being and that person on the other end is like dude I got 20 things to just slap you with right now that are just it's going to help you be a better you and that's kind of how the book of James is written and so you go from you know you know, verse two to verse five, and, and it seems like, wow, these are two different independent thoughts, but yet they run together all for these purposes. And the first major thing that we wanna talk about is to show up to practice. Now, I love sports. I've coached little league sports. I've been involved in sports myself. And one of the things that is ingrained into you as an athlete is that your success as an athlete isn't really predicated on game day, but it's about you showing up to practice. That when you go to practice, you're learning the, the overall plays and, and figuring out how you can do better as an athlete with the team and also the conditioning for the game itself. But if you talk to most players, the one thing they will tell you they hate about sports is the practice. Nobody really enjoys the practice. They wanna show up to the game and shine at the game, but your ability to be faithful to the practice will give you the ability to shine at the game. Matter of fact, when some of my players, and they were little kids, you know, I coached my son's flag football team, I coached uh, Little League, or, or the uh, AYSO soccer team for Josiah, is when you didn't show up to practice, you didn't get to play as much as the other kids that went to practice. Even if you were a better athlete in general, I just wanted to, to really show these kids at a young age that everything was predicated on showing up and practicing in the small moments so that you'll be ready for the big moments when they come. But if you think about our culture, we're all about the big moments. We're all about you know the big event and then we wanna Instagram it and Facebook and like, hey, here's the thing. For instance, nobody is gonna or, or congratulate you for waking up and going to school tomorrow morning if you go to school. They're gonna go, hey, congratulations, you woke up and got out of bed. You should be so proud of yourself. But let me tell you, they will celebrate, they will congratulate you when you walk across the stage with that diploma in your hand. But you can't go and walk across the stage with that diploma in your hand unless you, guess what, get up out of bed and go to class. Take the exams, do the homework. This is an important part. See, your family is not gonna get dressed up for your first date. That they will get dressed up when it becomes your wedding day. 
And you need to understand, before you get to the wedding day, there are dates where you're courting and you're getting to know the person and you're figuring out, is this the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? And so much of our culture is pushed onto the big moment that we take away that. I know couples that have met and decided to get married within the month of meeting each other. And I'm over here going, red flag, as a pastor, going, you know, I'm not saying it, it, it can't work. It, it could work, especially if God gets involved. But statistically speaking, people that just know each other for a month and decide to get married probably are not going to make it especially in a culture where half of the population that gets married ends in divorce. Probably is gonna be a tough road in particular. I, I had a friend of mine that I told him, I said, man, my best encouragement to you, my best advice is date for a year before you get married. And he was going on a second marriage and he's like, man, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm in it. I'm, this, I'm gonna date for a year. I'm gonna really get to know this girl, make sure she loves Jesus, make sure that we're compatible. Well, he meets this girl, great girl, and two months later, he's like, hey, guess what? We're gonna get married, and we want you to do the, the wedding. And I said, well, yeah, like in uh, another 10 months, right? And he goes, no, next week. I'm like, hey, just because I pastor in Las Vegas doesn't mean that I go out and do weddings for people every week that just meet each other. We're gonna, we're gonna take some time, and, and we're gonna let you develop a friendship because that will prepare you for the actual marriage. But see, we just wanna celebrate the wedding. And a lot of couples don't even think about the marriage after the wedding. They just get stuck on that event. Uh, nobody is going to give you a medal for showing up to a practice, but they will put a medal around your neck when you go to the Olympics and you actually finish as one of the top three athletes in that event. See, the Olympian athletes, they get there, how? By showing up and training faithfully. I like this, uh, um, before there was uh, Michael Phelps, there was a 1972 Olympics uh, swimmer named Mark Spitz, and someone asked him, uh, he won seven different gold medals uh, in the 72 Olympics, they, they asked him, um, you know, how he was so successful as, a, as an athlete to win so many medals. And this is what he said, quote, I just spent eight hours in the pool a day for four solid years, end quote. I just, you know, I just spent that long in the pool training. Why? To get those medals around his neck. They didn't just happen. But see, in our culture, we just, we want the medal without showing up and doing the little things. James is saying it's the little things that help prepare us for the big moments that God wants to do in our lives. Are you tracking with me, church? It's the practice of the small moments that makes all the difference in the world. I like the scripture in Philippians chapter two, verse 12. It says, my dear friends, you have always obeyed God when I was with you, it's even more important that you obey now while I'm away from you. Keep on working to complete your salvation with fear and trembling. Keep on working to complete your salvation. You're saved, but your salvation is in a process right now. The biblical word is sanctification. 
In other words, when Christ comes into your life, you're still that person that you've always been. And he comes in your life to partner with you and to empower you so that you can start slowly making the changes that need to be made so that you can become more and more like him. But it's a process. And so how we work that process out is Paul says in this letter, he says, hey, you need to work it out. Now, I like to go to the gym. I like to work out. And one of the reasons I like to go to the gym and work out is I like to stay fit. And I know that I can't stay fit unless I show up and I work out. And in the same capacity, if you want to continue this process of what Christ started in you maybe last month or last year, maybe even the last 10 years, then you have to show up and say, God, I want to work this thing out. I want to put it into practice. And James spends a lot of time talking about just being a hearer of the word versus being a doer of the word. In other words, you can get to this complacency spiritually where you read your Bible, you hear a sermon, you listen to worship music, but you're never taking the stuff that you're listening to and actually applying it practically to your life. For example, when we come to church here and there's something that God speaks to your soul and you're like, well, that was really good, then what you ought to do is you write a note to yourself to say, you know what, this week I'm gonna put this into practice with my life. I, I, wanna, I wanna take this idea of resetting my life, for example, of last week, and I'm gonna do something different than I wasn't doing before I came in here. And the more that you apply the truths that God is speaking into your soul, the more you are preparing yourself for the spiritual maturity God wants for your life. And the more you are spiritually mature, the more God is able to use you to do the things that he desires to do in this world. But you gotta take the things that you're hearing and you gotta figure out how you can work it out, how you can apply it, and how you can um, get that down and, and, and become that much of a more mature believer. Uh, I think it's interesting, and I made a note here, that you know, when the Israelites were given the message by God that he wanted to set them free from the slavery in Egypt, right? He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna release you and I've, and I've equipped Moses to release you guys. Do you know that most people believe they were 11 days journey away from the promised land that God had told them where he wanted them to go? 11 days. They had to walk it, they had to foot it, they, they didn't have Uber, right? So they were, 11 days, they were gonna go to the promised land, 40 years later. So what happened that it went from 11 days to 40 years? Here's what happened. It was easy to get Israel out of Egypt. It was a whole nother deal to get Egypt out of Israel. In other words, God, through the training, is all about our growth more than he is the goal. God is about the process more than he is the promise of what it is that he wants to do with your life. We focus on the destination when God is focusing us on the journey. And when we talk about practicing 
in the small moments, what's happening is these small moments are setting us up to receive the promise, to reach the goal, to get to the destination that he ultimately has for our life. So don't just short sell yourself and go, I'm all about the destination and get discouraged when things start kind of coming against you because this is your moment to practice it, to do the word, to apply it to your life so that you can ultimately become spiritually mature and ready to do the things God wants you to do. Here's the second part of the theme that we're going to read through the book of James is that God wants to continue to... He wants you to continue to measure your progress. You're to measure your progress. In other words, some of you remember getting these and maybe your kids got these, the progress reports, right? Before the actual report grades came out, they gave you a chance to kind of correct yourself, right? And to get your grades better before the final grade came out, your progress report. And what we are talking about here is that God wants us monitoring where we're at so that we can make the adjustments that we need to make along the journey. He wants us continuing to work this out. I, I like how the message reads this scripture. It says, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Because we're not monitoring kind of where we're at, we have this knee-jerk reaction in our lives. This just happened on Friday. We were traveling on the 118, right there by, uh, right outside of Simi Valley, going into the valley. And my wife is driving. I was kind of looking at something on my phone and all of a sudden, Tara jerks the car and goes into the other lane. And I happen to look over, and I see this three-car accident happen. I don't know if you've ever seen an accident on the freeway. It's, it's spooky. But I watched this accident happen. And what it was is there was a car in the second lane that was completely stopped. Stopped on the freeway. If your car is dying, move over. Do not let it stop on the freeway. And so a good Samaritan had come up behind the stopped car to make sure that they could maybe get the car to safety. So the third car that was coming did not see the second car before it hit and slammed into the second car, which then the good Samaritan car rammed the car that was stalled on the freeway. It was horrible. Had to call 911. It was, it was just a scary situation. And, and uh, fortunately, my wife had the response uh, to, to get over or else we might have been caught up in that as well. But I started, started thinking about how horrible that was that this person stalled out and, and just their car completely quit on the freeway. And see, because we're not monitoring uh, our spiritual progress, a lot of us are like that stalled car. We don't, we don't realize we're unhealthy until all of a sudden we get rammed from behind. We're like, whoa, what was that? Something, something just happens in our life, and we're like, that didn't feel good. When all along, if we had been monitoring ourselves, we might have been able to avoid being hit from behind with a life situation that just came out of nowhere. I started thinking about that. So healthy 
regular checkups are good for us spiritually. And I like how James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, kind of reads this and, and, and kind of lays this out. It says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. I love that. This man will be blessed in what he does. So what James is saying is that the way we monitor ourselves is by looking at the word, like a man looks in the mirror. And see, when you ever, I don't know how many of you guys spend a long time looking at yourself in the mirror, but the older I get, the more imperfections I find. And, and that just, as you look at yourself in the mirror, you start seeing like, hey, you know what? Um, I don't have as much hair as I did last year, right? Or, hey, um, man, I got some new wrinkles on my face. See, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you're coming into a realization of what you really look like. But when you walk away from the mirror, it's like, you, you know, out of sight, out of mind. You're not really paying attention to it. And what James is saying, the word of God is that picture for us as we put it in front of us of, of how we're doing, how we're lining up, giving us something to compare ourselves to. Because the word of God is something set that you can compare yourselves to to see what you look like and maybe imperfections that still need to be worked out of your life. In, in other words, I, I brought this little Lego piece. I don't know how many of you guys grew up with Legos in your house um, Josiah has been grown out of this for a while now, uh, and my feet are very thankful for that uh, because nothing feels worse uh, than getting up in the middle of the night uh, and walking across your room with bare feet and having one of these Legos attack your foot. But, you know, the Lego pieces, when, when they come in the boxes, you know, they come with all these pieces, but they always have a picture. They always have this picture, and you're like, wow, you know, the inside of that box, you know, these Lego pieces, and we're going to get this dinosaur-looking creature when, when we get into this box. But what you don't realize is the box has all these pieces. The next banquet in here can have fun with that, right? Because you know not all those pieces are getting back into this box. But you, you, you have these pieces, and you're like, well... How do, like, these are just random pieces. How do I know how to get this thing to look like a dinosaur? And the reality is, you need the picture. You, you need to understand, you know, I, I need to know, like, this is the ultimate goal, and this is the pieces in this box are so that it can look like this dinosaur. See, what happens is, the Word of God is our picture, the Word of God takes our life and we examine our life and we look at the Word of God and say, how is my life lining up to look like what it should look like according to this book right here? And every time I'm reading the Word of God, I am being reminded of maybe some imperfections in my life that I need the help of God to get out of my life. 
I was reading this week in my devotions, just to give you an example. And a matter of fact, on uh, Thursday, I, I do this little Bible study online. If you ever want to uh, join us, it's uh, from 7 to 7.30 on uh, my Facebook page. And we archive them. But it was Matthew 13. And I've read this passage a lot, but I was just, I was loving getting back into Matthew 13. It's a, a chapter full of parables, these stories that Jesus would tell. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven a lot. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven, the value that it should have in our lives. That the kingdom of heaven is like this man who finds his treasure in a field. And he sells everything he has in order to get the treasure that's in the field. In, in other words, he had more value placed in that treasure than in any other part of his life. And I started thinking about my own value of the kingdom of heaven because something I've noticed about my life, and maybe you're like me, that values change in, in as far as what, what you consider valuable for your life. And what becomes familiar to you tends to end up losing value over time. The, the, the expression is familiarity breeds contempt. And so once something becomes so familiar to your mind, you tend to kind of start tuning it out and it starts to lose value. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven ought to be the most valuable thing that we have going on in our lives. And so for me, I'm reading this going, you know what? I have to assess my life right now. I've gotten away from this. And so now I'm, I'm looking at the word of God like a man looking in the mirror saying, you know, I need to get back to this. God, show me in 2019 how to make you the most valuable possession of my life like I, I used to feel you. Now, I'm not saying that God isn't valuable to me, but it was just a, a reminder, a gentle reminder. And when you're in the word of God daily, it's like going into the mirror to make sure your hair's right, to make sure you look right. And anything that is wrong, God, in his gentle, merciful, gracious, loving way, he says, hey, here's an area of your life. I wanna, I wanna take some time, and, and I wanna help you to look more like what this word is talking about. This is what the book of James is all about. I... Uh, want to read one more scripture to you. Uh, you guys are quiet. I hope, hopefully I didn't put you to sleep, all right? Um, or you're watching the golfers outside. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're gonna end here. It says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. God's will for you in 2019 is more spiritual maturity in your life. And one of the ways I want you to be a doer of the word this week is I want you to assess where you're at with your maturity. Now hopefully, spiritually, you're not like that skit where you know, you're acting like a baby but you know, you're like a 20-year-old person. But maybe there's some things in your life that you just know, like you know what, I've known for quite a while, this isn't quite right. And now that we're really getting to the, 
brass tacks of this, and, and Commander James is really going over the how to become spiritually mature, I am going to make it a priority in my life spiritually to make some adjustments so that I can be the fully mature man or woman of God that I know I should be. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.